that put me in a really dark place, which forced growth out of me, which forced me to explore aspects of me that I never explored. You know, I, I realized that sitting in that pain and feeling out those emotions, meditating has been so much more helpful this time around. I remember making the decision that I would regret it if I didn't try. And so I thought, how can I consciously do something to help people in that same way? Ask myself a very simple question, will this help someone else? It's like, you just have to start. You have to start somewhere. Start where you're at, recognize where you're at, be honest where you're at. Every obstacle in your life is an opportunity. Hello, welcome back. And if you are new here, I'm your host, Stephanie Arnuk, your favorite medical student yoga instructor. And today I am so ecstatic to welcome Alex Salazar to All Things Con Amor. Alex is a writer, poet, content creator, and life coach, and in this episode, we really dive into life advice, relationships, writing, and TikTok, where he has 24,000 followers. He graduated from California State University, Northridge, with a degree in communications and a minor in psych, and has been featured on a TEDx for his poem, Keep Your Astronaut Alive, where he details the importance of keeping your inner child throughout the complexities of adult life. He's successfully coached dozens of people with an emphasis on holding them accountable for their health, finance, and career objectives, and I'm so excited for you all to get to know him throughout this episode. All Things Con Amor is the pursuit of holistic health, wellness, happiness, love, the things that really set our soul on fire. Enjoy the ride. So hello, I'm so excited and happy to have you on today. For all of my listeners, this is Alex Salazar. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, things you think are the most important or interesting, or would give a bit of history for the listener to get to know who it is that you are? Sure. So born and raised in San Diego and moved up to LA for college where I was first exposed to spoken word poetry. Um, that's where I developed my love for writing and performance. And then, um, you know, kind of bounced around in college and realized that I love mentorship and I love training and development and nonfiction books. And that's kind of what led me to, um, you know, becoming a coach and wanting to start my own blog. And so that's kind of what I do on the weekends and on the evenings. And then for, I guess, day to day, I work in recruiting and staffing in the IT industry. So just a little brief overview about myself. Very cool. So you were exposed to writing through that time of your life, but how did you decide that you wanted to start? How did you start? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So I remember it very specifically what drew me to poetry and that was this documentary called Louder Than a Bomb and uh, phenomenal documentary. And I remember, um, you know, just kind of watching the performances and they were so captivating. And I didn't realize that poetry could be captivating in that way. I thought poetry was meant to sit on paper and I didn't know that you could draw crowds from it. And I knew immediately that I wanted to do that. I was a very sappy, emotional kid, especially in middle school, uh, a bit of a lover boy, um, no, no Drake, but uh, I, yeah, I, I just knew that I wanted to perform and, and write and 
share kind of a little bit about myself. And I had a hard time expressing some of that emotion to my friends. And I was like, you know what, let me express that on stage. And for some reason there was, there was almost like, even though it was my words and my experiences, there was almost like a mask that I could put on when I was on stage. And it, and it didn't feel like I was talking to anybody directly. It felt like I was just kind of opening up myself. And so that's why I loved that art form. I also, I also come from a family of educators. So my mom and my dad were English teachers growing up. So I think that also played a, a big factor in kind of my, my love for, for language. That's very neat. So they were super supportive of it? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, I think there was some unpacking that I needed to do about certain things that happened in childhood. So some performances they thought were a little jarring and maybe should have been kept in-house. And to that, I say now at 26, maybe you were right. But at the time at 19, 20, I was like, you don't understand. I just need to express myself. I need to pour, pour out my open heart. This is me. Um, this is what people want to see from me. So yeah, but for the most part, they were supportive. Okay. Very neat. Um, I totally relate to that because I am like the queen of sap. Like I'm very soft. I cry easily. Uh, so I feel like I am naturally drawn to people that understand that type of thing. Cause mm -hmm. growing up, I spent all my free time in the library and it was the same thing where like, I loved the way you can immerse yourself in an entirely different world through books. And I guess in your case, poetry. And I have, I have seen some spoken word performances that were really incredibly captivating. So I totally understand the appeal of it, but I've never been creative or like had the self-confidence to try to write my own. So kudos to you for that. What do you think it was like when you shared your writing? Like, do you, were you scared at first? Like the very first performance you ever had, how do you remember that? How did you get out of your comfort zone enough to decide that this was something you wanted to do publicly? Because I think that's something that stops a lot of people is this fear of the way they're going to be perceived or the way people are going to react to what it is that they're doing. So what would your advice be for that? Yeah, I think it's like anything where it's a muscle that needs to be trained, right? So you're never going to be amazing at it at the first time. You know, when you first pick up a basketball, you're not going to be amazing at basketball. It's the same thing with performance. It's the same thing with writing. So I was fortunate enough to kind of be forced into speech and debate in high school. So that allowed me to get comfortable performing, comfortable giving speeches and not really have that fear of public speaking. I know a lot of people in college have that deep rooted fear. And even, you know, when they move on to corporate or a startup or their own business or putting themselves out there, they have that fear, but, and this is what everybody says and it's so dang cliche, but it's so true. It's, it's like, you just have to start. You have to start somewhere and start with what my recommendation is start with getting little wins. So what that looks like is if you're not comfortable, maybe sharing a certain video on social media, you know, how about you record yourself and watch it back just for yourself? Okay, that's how it feels. And then record yourself and send it off to your closest friends or go to, you know, if it's, if, if it's pertaining to poetry, go to a local coffee shop that has an open mic, 
right? There, there's, a, there's plenty of opportunities to start to put yourself out there. And I think easing yourself in is important. I think some people have the DNA to kind of jump right in and, and, and go all in right away. I know I don't have that type of DNA. I have definitely moved along the steps gradually. And now I feel like I'm at a space um, where I do feel comfortable. If, you know, I, I did a TEDx in college for poetry and I don't think I would have been comfortable doing that, you know, my freshman year of college. I, I think that would have been something that would have been a little too, too much for me. So yeah, I, I'd say, you know, just kind of start where you're at, recognize where you're at, be honest where you're at, and then go from there. That is so neat. I had no idea you'd done a TED talk. Yeah. So it was kind of like a performance. It was, yeah, of, of the TEDx, but you know, there's the TED and everything behind stage on YouTube. So that was, that was pretty cool seeing. Wow. So. How did you, did you like apply for it and they took you? How did that happen? So I was the slam poetry team captain for CSUN and I had the good fortune of being able to visit University of Texas at Austin for poetry and the University of Chicago. And we got to perform and the school paid for it and sponsored it. And the individuals, because some of them were students who mm-hmm. sponsored the TEDx at my school, actually reached out to me and said, hey, we'd love to, to feature you. You know, we know your work. We're familiar with some of the stuff that you've put on YouTube. We would love for you to create a piece specifically for this event. So I ended up creating this piece called Astronauts and basically saying how, you know, when we're five years old, we're told to live out our astronaut. And then as we get older, that is, we, we slowly become more and more boxed in. And, you know, the idea being, hey, make sure you keep your astronaut alive, whatever that looks like for you. That's beautiful. I, I really love that. Afterwards, if we could include a link to it in the show notes, that would be great. So that if people want to see the full performance, I think that would be great. So the, the point I wanted to make is that I think that's such good advice that people really struggle with doing something poorly. And so that stops them from doing it at all. And I know that was something that stopped me for a really long time. Like when I was nervous to teach a full yoga class, I was like, I might mess up and I'm not going to be as good as the yoga classes I've been to. And for so long, I was the person telling myself no, rather than like, and thinking that no one would come to my classes. And then when I finally did schedule an in-person class, the entire pavilion was like packed. So I, I totally agree with you that baby steps are so important, whether it's like starting to put your content online. I had to make an entirely separate Instagram account because I was so scared of sharing the stuff that I was passionate about on my main And then one day I decided that I was tired of letting other people's opinions affect my personal page. And I still struggle with that. I'm not perfect at it, but it is a work in progress. I want to highlight on one of the things that you said real quick, which was how you still struggle with it. I think that is really important to highlight because that's something that I still struggle with as well is, oh, what are people going to say about it? Um, You know, the video that you saw, which I'm sure we we might get to on, on TikTok, I struggled before I put that out there because I was like, ah, do I really want to, you know, want to let people know this about? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a little uncomfortable. And then whenever I get to that place of, Oh, eh, I'm not sure. I asked myself a very simple question. Will this help someone else? If they watch it, does this have the opportunity to help somebody else? If the answer is yes, then I'm like, okay. 
just need to do it. It's worth it. Absolutely. So that's kind of how, how I approach that. I think something that is so neat is that when you feel that like little fear, that's kind of where the growth lies because the discomfort and the change, that's really like the part of you that like, hasn't gotten to that level yet. And then once you do get to that level, you get more comfortable with it and it's easier. So I felt the exact same way. I got a Q and a, um, for solo episodes to do on my podcast. And I got a ton of questions about like how to get over someone in a breakup. And that's my by far most listened to podcast episode. And I was so nervous publishing it, even though a lot of it wasn't, it wasn't like descriptive to specific relationships I've had, because I obviously want to respect people's privacy, but that by far is like my most popular podcast episode. And it brings me so much joy to know that I was able to give people the insight that I wish I'd had when I was going through it. So similarly, I know you did that with your TikTok. How did you decide to get into mentorship? What did that look like for you? I know that you have these really awesome, clear ideas about like how it is that society can mold us and what direction that leads us in. And so that really impacts the way we show up for ourselves, the way we show up for other people. So what was like your first encounter with mentoring other people? Yeah. So my first encounter with mentoring other people was when I was a resident advisor in college and I was you know, what you might call the cool RA. I, I let my residents do what I, I used to say, as long as I don't smell it, as long as I don't see it, I do not care what you do. Just mm-hmm. don't let me, you know, don't let me see it. Cause then I got to bust you and I don't want to do that. Just have your fun keep it relatively down. And, you know, didn't actually didn't really like, like the resident advisor role at all. It was just, it was free housing and free meals. But what I did love was the mentorship component of being a resident advisor. So when I would meet with them, either in the beginning of the semester or the middle of the semester, I would say, okay, what are your academic goals and what are your personal goals? And I would walk these students, oftentimes freshmen through, Hey, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish here? And I loved that. It was my, oh, it was my favorite thing. I hated putting on programs. I hated Again, having to bust people, and there were so many aspects that I didn't like, but when I got into the one-on-one and I got to see what people are passionate about, how they're structuring their day, how they're approaching their weeks, um, you know, what is influencing them, that's what I, I really gravitated towards. And coming out of college, when I stopped doing poetry, because I realized like I, I had kind of poured out that aspect of myself and I was, I was looking to change chapters. I was like, what, what else am I going to do? And then I said, well, one of the things that I loved about poetry was connecting with people. And when people would come up to me after the shows and say, Hey, that piece really resonated with me, or that's helping me in this way, because I'm dealing with this right now. Love that. And so I thought, how can I consciously do something to help people in that same way? And so I was kind of reflecting on my journey as a resident advisor. I played a lot of sports growing up. I was often the captain of a lot of my sports teams. And that underlying theme was mentorship and development and continuous uh, training. So that's kind of what, what led me to that. You have any siblings? I grew up as an only child. Okay. I now have a far removed, right? Uh, now have a two-year-old brother and a one-year-old sister. Okay. 
I just, I found it interesting that you and I tend to gravitate towards similar things like mentorship roles and um, being there to give advice to other people, because I know that the reason I do that is because I'm a big sister. Like I, I have very strong, like big sister energy, both my parents, first generation immigrants. So I had to figure everything out. Like I had to Google what the SATs were. I had to Google how to apply to college. And so I know what it's like to be in that position to have no idea what things are supposed to look like and not know who to ask. And I think that for me is why I'm so passionate about being the person that other people can ask questions to. But I think it's really neat that you have that same passion, but just from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so you were able to do this mentorship and leadership throughout, like over the course of your life, really throughout sports and college. And now what does mentorship look like for you at this point in your life? How did you decide like what you wanted it to look like? So initially I decided that I wanted to, you know, become a life coach or accountability coach, whatever sort of title that you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do that when I was like 22. And then I was like, who's 22 life coaching. And that's like, where's your I, life experience. Yeah. That, yeah. that was the biggest thing. And, and mm-hmm. my mom was hesitant about poetry and she was against the coaching. And she was like, I don't know about this. And, you know, my dad said the same thing. And a lot of my family members said the same thing. And I don't hold that against them. I'm like, yeah, who, who am I right to, to help somebody else. And I remember just making the decision that I would regret it if I didn't try Absolutely. And I would regret it if I did. And Mm -hmm. so I just started putting out videos on Instagram and I started marketing myself and I said, Hey, I'd love to do it for free. So I started doing it totally for free. And I would even pay for people's breakfast, pay for people's coffee, say, Hey, let me practice on you. You know, because I had an idea of what I would do as a resident advisor, what of the trainings that I saw online the coaching models that I saw online and how I wanted to, to implement, you know, change for people, but I hadn't practiced enough yet. I hadn't put in enough reps to even feel comfortable charging anybody. So after about three months of doing that three, four months, I started to ask people, Hey, what would you, what would you pay for something like this? And then that's kind of what gauged sort of my price point. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, I, I just, up until pretty much uh, a couple of months ago, because I took a little break. I'm, I'm going to be actually starting back up in December mm-hmm. uh, for, for personal reasons, took a break. Uh, but I had a, a, at least one or two clients continuously for the last four years, you know, wow. with, with maximum having like four or five clients at a time, uh, minimum having at least one, but usually it was, it was around the two to four range. And it was through a lot of referrals. It was through putting myself out there on social media. And I, I couldn't tell you the exact formula. I don't think there, there was an exact formula. It was just me wanting to do something, not caring about what anybody else had to say about it, because this is my life and I'm going to do it. And I believe in it. And I know that this is going to help somebody. And then, you know, just kind of putting my my head down and and getting to work. 
Absolutely. And you honestly, you figure it out on the way. I, I really think that's something a lot of people don't realize. They they think they want things, but they don't ever put into words what it is that they want. And then how do you expect to get somewhere if you never lay out exactly what you want? So you at least had that foundation where you were like, I know I want to be a life coach and you just pieced it out as you went. And I also think we shouldn't discount ourselves for being young because like, yes, we haven't lived through as many things as other people might have. But I think the biggest aspect of any type of mentorship or coaching or accountability is the fact that you promised someone else you would show up for them. And so the biggest way to build your own self-confidence is to keep the promises you make to yourself. And most people are so much better at keeping promises they make to other people than they are at the promises they make to themselves. So that's something I try to work on is like, when I tell myself I want to do something, I, I show up for myself the way I would show up for someone else. So the fact that you can be that person that's there to push them and to remind them. And so they're showing up for you. I think that regardless of what you've experienced or been through, that is such a catalyst and like necessary component for people that just need that extra push. Absolutely. And I didn't realize this until a year in, Mm -hmm. but it became easy to say this, that you know, when people are like, who are you to, to coach somebody's life? Or, and I was like, well, luckily I, I don't. <laughs> luckily, I, I, I'm, I'm not telling somebody how to live their life. That's the last thing I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm providing the structure. Mm-hmm. So, so we, like one of the things we would do in our first sessions is create a wish list. And that's mm-hmm. what, do you, what are your goals personally, financially, physically, spiritually? You know, what are those four goals? What do they look like? Let's create smart goals from them. This is all okay. you. I'm just providing the format. I'm right. just providing the structure. And then from those, right, let's build those into habits. How can I hold you accountable for those goals? What's the best way for me to hold you accountable? Do you want a check-in in the morning? Do you want, uh, you know, nightly calls? What does it look like for you? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I had to kind of learn was, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not, it's not somebody coming to me saying, I don't know what to do with my life. And then I'm saying, oh, you need to do this with your life. That's, that's the last thing I'm qualified Mm -hmm. to do. That's the last thing anybody, I don't care what life experience you have. Anybody's qualified to do, you know, but I, but I am qualified to tell people what the right habits are or what the right framework for the habits that they want to implement are. And then providing mm-hmm. that accountability and, sh- and like you said, showing up for them as, hey, I'm your support system. I'm here to be not only your cheerleader, uh, but also the person to kind of get on you when you're, yeah. when you're not, you know, meeting your goals. So, you know, that's kind of what what I bring to the table in that respect. I really love that. I feel like um, the best analogy for that in my head is like a gym buddy, like rain or shine. You tell someone you're going to meet them at the gym, you show up. But if you were going by yourself, it's so easy to be like, oh, let me stay in bed today. But you're like, you're the gym buddy, but for everything, it's all encompassing. And I think that's, that's so great. I'm sure that your clients have been able to accomplish so much because of it. Can you give us, I hope listeners were taking notes when you were saying, what were that? Can you repeat them to me? The physical, yeah, financial, repeat those for me. Yeah. So physical, Mm -hmm. financial, spiritual, and personal. Okay. So listeners can, they can, if they're on their phone, they can open up a note right now and maybe jot some things down, what they want those things to look like. So that way you have something you're working towards rather than just saying, I want to look better or I want to have more money. If you don't know what you're working towards, how are you supposed to get there? Right. And that's one of, right. So if if we were working together and you said, I want to look better, I would say, okay, what does that look like? 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's not my job to tell people what looking better is. It's my job to ask the right questions. That's what a good life coach or a good accountability coach does. They don't talk really or like offer input. They just keep asking questions and drawing it out of the person. Right. And I don't allow my clients to put, I will look better as one of their goals because uh, looks shouldn't be the end goal. Feeling healthy should be mm-hmm. the end goal. If you're feeling healthy, if you're, if you're showing up for yourself, if you're eating the right foods, you're going to look, it better. comes naturally. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, no, that's not one. Okay. You want to show up to hot yoga three times a week. Cool. That's a measurable goal. Mm-hmm. That'll help you look better. Okay. We can, I can hold you accountable for that stuff. When, when do you want to do it? At what location? Monday, Wednesday, Friday at core power yoga. Great. 8 PM. Great. I can check in with you Monday night. Make sure you went there. Uh, or if you prefer, some people prefer it like at the end of the week, great, I can do that. So that's kind of one of the things of like walking people through their goals mm-hmm. and everybody, everybody, myself included, can use a coach. The, the late, great Kobe Bryant has a life coach or had a life coach. Tom Brady had a life coach. Um, so many athletes and entrepreneurs are understanding that having whatever you want to call it, accountability coach, life coach, mindfulness coach is important because that's one of the things that give you, gives you an edge. And I don't care who you are. All of us need help <laughs> at the end of the day. So. Absolutely. Every single person at the top of their game would not have gotten there without their mentors. Every, they all talk about it too. They're like, this was the person I met at this age and they walked me through it. And like, it really is, you can't do it alone. And I think that's why community and conversations like this are so important to me because I get to learn so much from people that I otherwise wouldn't get to talk to. And also by listening to other podcasts, I get to have access to people who are millionaires, billionaires. They're doing crazy things with their lives. And it's like, you get to sit in a room with them and be a fly on the wall. I love that about podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So we can transition a little bit and talk about how it was that you decided to start posting on TikTok. I know some people are like, oh my God, I love TikTok. And some people are like, oh, that's type of millennial, you know, for a little while I was pretty against it because I never had a vine because I knew it would suck up so much of my time. I was like, I know if I download this app, like I, I don't have the free time to be spending however much time on this every single day. So for, I didn't make a TikTok until beginning of August and I just hit 1900 today. So not, not terrible, but it's, I should have started like earlier. Like I should have gone on it like at the beginning of the pandemic, but But you're starting I I was, I'm starting now. That's all that matters. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was against it for about 10 months Mm -hmm. because I thought it was just some, it was for Gen Zers. I'm I'm all the dances, the TikTok dances. Yeah. And I was like, who, like, who am I to be making a TikTok? That's ridiculous. Why am I going to, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why I avoided it. And then a couple of my buddies started using it and would send me videos and they would be very entertaining. And then a couple of them also sent me some motivational videos. And I was like, oh, I was like, there's like other aspects to TikTok. I thought it was just a dancing kind of like Vine um, you know, platform. And then I realized there's, there's food, uh, capability. Recipes are good. The recipes are really good. There's the, you know, when the whipped coffee was a trend Mm -hmm. that's, I discovered it through TikTok. 
And so I think it was actually right at the beginning of the pandemic that I got a TikTok because I was locked in. I uh, didn't, to be honest, really know what to do with my extra time because my extra time, maybe, maybe like you as well, mm-hmm. was always engaging with people, was going to networking events, was going to workshops and conferences. And that's what I love to do. And I still love to do. Mm-hmm. And when that was taken, I was like, all right, what am I going to do with my time? I guess I'll just download TikTok. <laughs> and yeah, you know, there, there are obviously tons of different avenues with TikTok, but at the point that I downloaded it, I had already started posting videos pretty frequently on Instagram. And, you know, I had done the TEDx at that point. I had hosted my, my first and only, but won't be my last conference, you know, for, okay. um, you know, it was called Unlocking Potential. Mm-hmm. And it was, I had, I had, I don't know if you're familiar with Passion Planner, but we had the CEO. I'm an ambassador for Passion Planner. I love, I literally like, am the person I am because of Passion Planner. Like yeah, it, so, keep, it keeps me together. <laughs> yeah. Me and, and Angel are, are pretty good friends. So she was the speaker at uh, Unlocking Potential. They are great. And, and yeah, like I just realized that, you know what? TikTok isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. I really should start posting. And so initially, I think I started posting just whatever was trending at the time. So Mm -hmm. the whipped coffee and I was just doing the dances and stuff. And then I started kind of putting more of my personality. And then it was also an outlet to my Instagram because my Instagram at the time was just, you know, coaching focused. Uh, Okay. And I was like, I I don't, I don't like that. There's, there's, more aspects to me, but I kind of feel weird about posting this on Instagram. So let me use TikTok as the other outlet. That's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit goofier, uh, maybe a, a little bit more outlandish. And yes. so that's kind of what what led me to that. It's funny. I've talked to some of my friends about this same dichotomy where it's like you feel so much safer on TikTok than you do on Instagram. Yeah. And we piece together. It's the fact that people that you know in real life especially for me like with my personal instagram it's like so many people i met when i was in like middle school and high school they're the ones that follow me on there and they know such a different version of me than the person i am today and so realizing that like the more i am myself on my current instagram where like all of these people from my past follow me the more i'm afraid that i'm not going to meet the standards of who they thought i was and that is always like, I guess uh, the concept of letting people down almost in a way is scary versus like on TikTok, I am who I am. All of these strangers that follow me liked me enough to want to stick around and see more of my videos. So it's, it's so much more comfortable because they know the current version of you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's very a weird, isn't great, it? That's a great insight. And yeah, it is, you know, because of the algorithm, like, you're put in front of strangers, even if you have like consistent strangers that comment, you don't really know these people, or I, mm-hmm. at least I, I don't really know these people who comment on my TikTok, even I don't if know any of these people. Yeah. And yeah, you do feel a little bit, a little bit safer where, you know, when it's, when it's maybe somebody who's close to you, there's, there's a little bit of that. You feel like they, they have access to you in a certain mm-hmm. way. That- and they could judge you in a way. 
versus yeah. like, what is a stranger's opinion of you? And it's also interesting how much more supportive strangers are. I noticed this even like on my Instagram, like when I was posting that I got into medical school and that I decided to start a podcast, the people I barely knew were so supportive versus like the people I was like friends with in high school. They didn't say anything. And I read this thing and it was like, it's really hard for people that you were close to at one point to see you doing things that they're afraid to do because you came from the same place. So like in their eyes, you're sort of equal and now you're doing more versus strangers are so quick and eager to support you because to them, you're just like a person doing good things with your life and you're just being happy. Yeah. I, I think I saw that exact same Instagram. Uh, oh, I saw it on Instagram, that little quote. Really? And yeah, one of my buddies had posted that. And I remember I just like swiped up and put the hundred, you know, mm-hmm. little emoji. But it's so true. It's like, if you're, if, if people feel like you're, you kind of started at a, at a you know, same playing field or kind mm-hmm. of in the same circumstances. And then now they see this person succeeding and they're not where they, they feel like they, they should be or maybe want to be, you know, they don't really give that same sort of praise. And I think that's, you know, ridiculous on one hand. Two, I can kind of empathize it. But three, I, I forgot what podcast I listened to, but they talked about how, and I actually talked about this on my own podcast, but the importance of following your envy. Mm-hmm. And yes. if you're envious of something, follow it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that you're like, if, if, if somebody posts about getting into medical school, if somebody posts about, you know, a three-year relationship and, and it looks beautiful and like, that makes you feel a little weird. Ask why, right? Why, like, why are you feeling jealous in that moment? Oh, if you are feeling jealous, if you realize that that is the root of that emotion, then follow it. Mm-hmm. Start to create that in your own life. Oh, wow. I actually maybe want to go get my master's. Okay. That's a great starting point. Let's start to research it. That's again, that's one of the things that I'll, I'll tell my clients is follow your envy. If you're envious of that through your relationship that you see on Instagram. Okay. Maybe you start to create a life where you are welcome. You are healed. You are open to accepting a relationship. You know, maybe you're not going out four times a week. You know, maybe you're, you're acting in a way or presenting yourself in a way where you're ready to welcome a, a relationship. So I think, you know, that, that is extremely important. And that's something that, you know, I still have to remind myself because sometimes I'll, I'll get envious of others too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as like, if they're making more money than me at the, you know, at the same age and I'll be like, oh, okay. So maybe not, maybe money isn't my biggest factor, but maybe it's like, I want that sort of job security or I want to be able to provide for my family or travel or something. Okay, cool. That's a, that's a good reflection for me to, to know. So. Absolutely. I, I love that notion so much. I've heard it too. And another way that they put it that I really liked is that you wouldn't be jealous of something if you didn't want it. Like if, if say like I see one of my friends, um, playing in the Olympics, right? I never wanted to be a pro athlete. There's no jealousy there. I'm just like purely happy for them because I don't, that's not something that brings me joy and passion. I'm not aggressive. I'm not competitive in that sense. And so 
the, 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 like the follow your envy, like you said, you said it so eloquently is really because there's something there that you yourself want. You would never be jealous of something you didn't want. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Do you remember what the name of your podcast episode was so that they can, I want to say it was titled follow your envy, follow your envy. Okay. So. so they can, they can listen to your whole explanation on it. Cause you said you described it really well. And I totally agree with that notion. That wasn't, that was something that I hit a few years ago when I would watch my favorite YouTubers and they just made money doing what all of us do, which is posting our lives online. And I was like, this seems like such a nice, like fun, creative outlet. You just, you post things and people who are strangers like care about you in your life and they learn from you. And for me, it was really like to have a platform meant that I could be the mentor for like any other person that wanted to get into medicine and didn't know where to start or how to go so that they could see that I did it and they could too. So that was when I kind of realized that like, if I'm jealous of these YouTubers and these people with platforms, it, for me, it wasn't the free stuff. So many people want to be an influencer for the free stuff. I I've been offered so many like free collaborations and I'm like, I don't, I don't care for free stuff. I really, I care about helping people and connecting with them through whatever it is that they need help with. Let's see. Do you want to talk everyone through that TikTok that of yours that kind of blew up that that's how you ended up on my for you page? Sure. Okay. Uh Give us, give us the basis behind it. What it basically said to me, it just had really good energy. And then when I saw that you were a writer, I was like, you are a person that is pursuing their passion. You would make an excellent guest. And that's why I reached out. Yeah. Well, one, first of all, again, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. And two, that TikTok was kind of what I did with my poetry was I would, you know, talk about basically treating my life like a, like a Facebook status and saying, Hey, here's where I'm at, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously make it package it up to be a little bit more artistic. And with that TikTok for, for, uh, I I presume a lot of listeners will not have seen it. I basically just talked about how, you know, I had um, recently broke up with my girlfriend. We broke up early October. So it's pretty much about a month uh, Mm -hmm. ago now and, you know, didn't get into the details of our relationship, didn't want to. I wanted to make it very, very much about me. Where, mm-hmm. where am I at from that breakup, right? Yes. And, you know, what I basically talked about was the importance of healing properly now at 26, because in my early 20s, how I would cope after breakups is I would hit up my boys and say, hey, let's go party. Let's go uh, to this club. Let's go to this bar. And I need to get over so-and-so. And and I just need to get them out of my system. So I need to hook up with a girl or make out or flirt or something, you know, something to get it off my mind. But what I learned was, you know, that that was only hurting me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I realized that sitting in that pain and feeling out those emotions and meditating has been so much more helpful this time around. I feel at peace. It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't make the, the, the breakup any maybe less painful, Mm -hmm. even though I feel like now I'm, I'm slowly starting to arrive at a place where like, Oh, feeling like myself again, this feels good. Mm -hmm. But I like one of the things that I I did was the um, was 10 days for a uh, breakup. 
10 days on a breakup in the Headspace uh, meditation app. So oh, neat. You know, they said one of the things, one of the days was be curious, just be curious about your emotion. The, the healing process isn't linear, you know, it, it, it flows. Yes. And so when you're feeling those lows, feel them, feel it out, write it down. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I could go so many different directions with this, but I realized just journaling and talking to my friends and having just amazing people to talk to has, has just brought this enormous sense of gratitude in my life. There was a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, Ted Lasso or not. Um, I've heard of it and everyone is obsessed with it, but I don't watch TV. I haven't I don't make the watched, time to watch TV, but I've yeah. heard it's really good. I haven't watched the show, but I've watched some clips. And one of the clips he, he talks about was after, you know, he's, he's a coach for this team in England. And he says, Hey gentlemen, after they lost this big game, you know, I know you're all sad, but be very, be very grateful in this moment because you all have each other to be sad with right now. You're all dealing with the same thing right now. Imagine being this sad and being alone. And it's like, wow. It's like, yeah, it's like being sad. Isn't the worst thing being, being sad and, and not having anybody to turn to that sounds like a, like a freaking nightmare. And I realized just how amazing my friends were who picked me up, how amazing my family was who, who picked me up. And I'm like, wow, like I'm, I'm a lucky guy with the people that I have around me. And in previous breakups, I had had a really tough time sleeping. And I think that was because I didn't operate, like I wasn't true to myself and I wasn't you know, doing things the right way. I mean, after pretty much the, I wanna say second day after the breakup, I was like, my sleep routine was, was fixed. My, like I started to wake up feeling refreshed and I think it was just, you know, kind of my body being like, hey, you're in flow. Like you're, you're doing things how, how you should be. And again, the sadness still appears, you know, comes and goes in the day, but how I feel where I'm at mentally, physically, I'm just like, I I feel like I'm in an amazing place and you don't, you don't get to that amazing place. I don't think when you try to mask the pain, you know, doing things the right way this time around is essentially what that TikTok was about. And I thought that it could be helpful. A big thing that I like to do, especially when I do some of my serious TikToks, because I'll have some like outlandish ones as well. But when I do my serious TikToks, and especially when it comes to the stuff that I put on my podcast is what is great advice that 21 year old me would enjoy. And I think when I let that be my guiding compass, that's, that's when the most true, authentic work that resonates with other, with other people comes out because I'm not trying to preach to hundreds of thousands of people. Like I didn't expect that. I think it's at like 400 K. I didn't expect that video to get 400 K. I just kind of put it out and I was like, Hey, this is advice that 21 year old me should have listened to. So I'm just going to say, because maybe another person might, you know, uh, might be helpful for them. And then it freaking blew up. And, and like, I feel like that's kind of how it goes sometimes where it's, you're, you're not trying to appeal to the masses. You're like, no, I'm just appealing to younger me and maybe it'll help somebody else. 
I love that so much. And I absolutely agree. The way I try to approach like any content I make is would I um, take the time out of my day to listen to this? Like, is this something that like causes me to grow? And also like, is this something I wish I had known in the past? So just the way you're saying, like me talking to my 21 year old self, I think that's really beautiful. And it is funny how much it comes through. It's the same way for me. Like when I make TikToks, even though my account is so itty bitty right now, the ones I come up with in like 10 seconds that are just like me pouring myself out are the ones that do the best. And then if I take like 30 minutes to put together these clips and move them around, they get like no views. And I it, it's gotten to the point where I'm just like, I just want to record whatever is showing up on the spot and sharing it with other people. Like one of mine the other day that it's at like 4,000, obviously nothing compared to 400,000, but I have a really small account. It was like me realizing that I used to spend my free time crying over a man instead of studying for a better GPA. And like so many people were like, oh, the accuracy. And I'm like, I, I wish I had had someone like myself now to to be there for my younger self and be like, you don't yeah. need to waste your time crying over temporary people. Like your GPA is forever. That's your future. That's your career. That's you being more knowledgeable about the field that's going to save people's lives. Like get, get over it. You have better priorities, you know? Yeah. So, it's, so the little things like that are the ones that resonate the most with people. Yeah. It's so funny that you, that you said that too, because the video or the TikTok that you're referencing, I was, there was no thought put in right. there. I you just show up and do it. Away, and I was like, you know what? I did. There was no second take. It was me. I put the video, you know, set mm-hmm. the timer and I just recorded. And it was, it was that simple. It's like, this is how I'm feeling right now. Maybe I should share it. And I, I didn't know, I, I thought I might put it in the drafts. I didn't know if I was going to post it and I just ended up posting it. Another thing that you had said that made me remember something, I forgot where I heard it, that I wish a younger version of me had heard was, um, as it, you know, kind of at a, as it pertains to the TikTok that I posted was the more people that you go to bed with, the more you go to bed with one person and that one person is you. And that really hit me because, you know, I I was reflecting on again, you know, 21, 22 and, you know, how people want to live. That's, that's how they want to live. And I'm never going to shame somebody for that. Mm -hmm. I just know for me personally, when I had the stretch of, you know, hooking up with just a lot of women, I, it it didn't feel good. And it's like Mm -hmm. all of those experiences it felt like it was the same experience. It just happened to be a different person. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I was just, I was going to bed alone because the depth that you feel with somebody versus the breadth of the same exact experience, there's, there's no match for having, having depth with somebody there, there, Absolutely. there isn't, you know, that's one of the, the things I'm sure you're familiar with the book, Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, the biggest things is the best things in life come from compound interest, come from investing and going all in on one thing, whether it's mm-hmm. relationships, whether it's financial. And so that's another thing was coming out of that relationship. I knew, okay, you know, me and this person might not be compatible. That's fair. Right. But moving forward, I still want that. That's still is that better than yes. all of these, you know, yes. all of these situations. And so let me handle things the right way. So that way, six months down the line, a year down the line, whatever, maybe three months, I don't know. Whenever that other opportunity comes across, 
I'm, I'm actually ready for it. And I, I didn't just stuff things in the closet or sweep things under the rug. And then now this amazing person comes into my life and I'm like, I haven't, I haven't sorted out my ish yet. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure you, you may have to sort some of this stuff out with me and that's not fair. That's not fair to do to somebody. So, you know, that was another, another reason why I wanted to make sure that I handled things the right way this time around. I love that notion. And I, I think the reason I resonated so deeply with your TikTok is because I've like been in that place where I think that so many people will settle for less than, and they'll be so unhappy in relationships. And I, I used to do this. It was like, why did I continue dating someone I was so unhappy with? And then you look back and you realize it was because that was preferable to being alone. Like people are so afraid to be alone that they settle. And I also think that there's this weird notion now that there are unlimited amounts of people because of things like dating apps and social media and oh you liked a hot girl's picture and you slide in her dms like that people don't value the depth of their relationships as much anymore so i really like what you said about like actually investing in a person and realizing that like that is worth so much more than the vain temporary validation that you might get off of just a new person agreeing to hang out with you or whatever it is yeah. And it's, and it's so empty. Yes. Right? It's, it's so like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've had several videos go viral on TikTok, and I'll have, you know, I'll have amazing people like yourself reach out to me about, you know, wanting to collaborate on podcasts. And then I'll also, and you know, I'm not saying they're not amazing because they, they may be amazing, but I'll have yes. people. Yeah. They're on the way. <laughs> um, but also have people kind of be like, Oh my God, you're so hot. Oh my God. Like I'm, I'm your rebound whenever you're ready. And like, just kind of all of these different messages. And I'm like, like, did you not like, did you not want get the point? Yeah. Like, you know, that makes and- me sad for them because I think to not have the self-respect for yourself that you would like regard yourself as not being worthy of like a real relationship that like you would be okay with just like being someone's rebound like that, like, the reason I have this podcast and I'm so self-aware about self-love is because I used to really not like myself. And I know that girls who say that type of thing don't love themselves. It comes from like a lack of self-love. Yeah. Yeah. And I think how people, you can, you can even broaden that to, I mean, how like women and men, um, Mm -hmm. but I think how people treat you, whether it's in romantic relationships, friendships, whatever, that's a direct reflection of how they feel about themselves. And I yeah. think that is so profound and it's such a hard concept to understand before you understand it. Yeah. But I think like if you've done the work, if you've kind of like maybe meditated or journaled and lived, right? Some of that experience, um, you know, I had to I had to understand that because I used to not be you know, the best boyfriend. And, you know, I used to be a little bit controlling in college and, and, you know, I was in a fraternity and my, you know, ex from college was in a sorority and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a very toxic. It it gets like that. Yeah. I was in that. I was in that. And I had to realize, and I didn't realize until I got out of the fraternity, got out of college that, oh, wow, how I was treating that person was actually how I felt about myself. Absolutely. that control was a lack of self-confidence from me. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. 
I need to do the work. It's not, it's, it's on me. Okay. I'm yeah. understanding how this, how this thing called life goes now. And you know, that was, that was so profound. And then you also realize when somebody else is, is treating you a certain way, you're like, Oh, okay. And then, you know, at, at a certain point, you don't obviously have to psychoanalyze them or make them feel bad about themselves, but you know, there are conversations or, you know, situations where I'll engage with somebody like, okay, cool. I, I understand where you're at and mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to choose to just not associate myself with you because that's not, it's not where that's, that's not what I want uh, right. in a friendship and in partnership and anything, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really important concept for people to understand is yeah. how somebody treats you is how they feel about themselves. The simplest way, like when that concept really hit me was the sentence, everyone is always projecting all the time. Every interaction you have, everyone is always projecting. And like people can only meet you where they're at themselves. They can't like they can't meet you at any higher than they've met themselves. And so when same situation, like when people say something a little abrasively to me or they treat me in a way that like I just wouldn't treat them. And I catch myself getting defensive and I'm like, well, I don't get why they like, why isn't like being kind, like basic common sense. I'm like, why? Like, where, where is the common sense, you know? And then I realize it's like, they, they probably aren't that kind to themselves. Like if they're okay with being mean to me, imagine how mean they are to themselves. And then yeah. that prompts me to want to send them so much more compassion. And I, I have a pretty good analogy for this. I told my friend this story like last week and I haven't told it on my podcast yet. So this is, this is a new one. When I moved into New York City, right, um, beginning of August last year for my first year of medical school, I had pre-ordered a ton of stuff from Target, like all of the basic things you would need in your apartment. So like um, sponges, soap, like shampoo, conditioner, my toothpaste, toothbrushes, like all, all of the basic toiletries because I was like, I'll just ship them instead of I had limited amounts of space in my car. And so I get to my apartment. We, my mom, brother, and I got there late because we had left late because we're Hispanic. Anyway, we show up and it's like nighttime. The target boxes are like ripped open. Everything is stolen. And I'm like crying. Cause I'm like, I moved to New York. I'm too soft for this. Like people stole all my stuff. Like, what am I going to do? And I was so upset about it. And my mom was like, honey, like you can buy new things. It's okay. And then the next day I called target was super nice about it. They resent me everything I had gotten stolen. The only thing they left was my natural deodorant. I guess my deodorant was too good for them. I don't know. Anyways, I came to the realization that like the people who stole it needed it so much more than I did. And I was just like, wow, like I, I'm grateful that I somehow was able to like give them all of these basic toiletries or things they might've had to sell to be able to live things that they otherwise wouldn't have had without any cost to myself. Like, even if I had had to rebuy all of those things, like I was just like, they needed it so much more than I did. So everything happens the way it's supposed to, you know, like if they were at a good place in their life, they wouldn't be stealing people's packages off the street or out of their buildings. Yeah. And so that was, that was when I was just like, I don't, I don't need to project any anger onto them. It happened. Being upset about it won't change it. And then my friend was laughing at me. They were like, you were the only person I know that would like say that about someone who stole their stuff. And I was like, I, there's no point in wasting your time and energy being resentful and angry. It's just draining, you know? Yeah. And there, there's two things I want to say about that. One is I think that's, that's such a great message to send is, you know, when somebody 
is mean to you or rude to you. Yeah, it, it probably is. Like, think about how they, they're, they're projecting that emotion to themselves. So this person needs even more love. Yeah. Be even more caring, be even more compassionate. And then two, I think it was Aristotle who said this, where it's like, if you set out on a road of revenge, make sure to dig two graves. Yeah. I think like, that's, you know, Oof. perfect. Cause it's like, yeah. Like what, what does that do? What does that do for your body, for your mental, like for all of that? Mm-hmm. If you are harboring all of this resentment, I, I heard another thing was like, don't, don't forgive them. Don't forgive them for the sake of forgiving them. Forgive them like for yourself. So you can let it why, go. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you want to store that in you? I know I don't. So it's mm-hmm. like even in past uh, relationships or friendships or whatever, where I feel like, you know, uh, situations could have been handled differently. Okay. Maybe so. But why, why would I want to carry that with me moving it's forward? Like you no, carry I'm- the glass, the longer you carry it, the heavier it gets. And Mm -hmm. some people like don't realize how much weight they're carrying because they've been carrying it for so long. And I think meditating for me, it was yoga. Those were the things that really taught me to put it down. Like we don't need to carry the things we carry around so much. Yeah. I love that. I know we were talking earlier about like advice you would give your younger self, things you wish you'd known, but if you could see your 21 year old self and you could tell them absolutely anything, any conversation you wanted, what do you think is the most impactful thing they could take away from the current version of you? My knee jerk, that's the expression, right? Knee jerk. Mm -hmm. So my knee jerk reaction, which is very backwards because we were just talking about wanting to create videos that we think our younger selves would appreciate. But my knee jerk reaction is that I wouldn't give my younger self any advice. And I know that maybe that's not the answer you're looking for, but it's a good answer. I I respect it. And I understand it. You wouldn't be the person you are today if you hadn't lived out your experiences exactly the way you did. Exactly. I think I love myself so fully and I feel like I've, I've lived so many types of different experiences that mm-hmm. it's now shaped the personality and who I am today that I, I wouldn't change anything. Like there's, there's not a, even the, this last relationship wasn't, wasn't toxic. It was pretty healthy. Um, but there, there was a toxic relationship that I was involved in before and I wouldn't even change that, you know? And both, both of us, you know, didn't approach that situation in the best way, but that also shaped who I was. That also put me in a really dark place, which forced growth out of me, which forced me to explore aspects of me that I never explored, which I ended up doing the 75 hard challenge from and all of these amazing things. And I had all of this opportunity to grow from, from all these things. So I think maybe the only advice is, is just feel everything to the fullest is when you're feeling happy, feel it. When you're feeling sad, feel it. When you're feeling motivated, feel it. And, and just kind of keep, keep trugging along. And yeah, but I, I hesitate to, you know, cause, cause that question makes me feel like, okay, if I give that younger self advice, are they going to act differently? And I'm like, no, there's, there's not, 
anything that I'm, there's nothing that I have to, to regret. And, you know, that, that just makes me very happy and, and comfortable mm-hmm. to, be able to say. I love that for you. And I'm so proud of you for having that self-awareness and that type of self-love that you are so comfortable with the way things have happened in your life has turned out that you can fully accept it the way it is. I think that's something that some people go their whole life without doing is they never accept themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes me so sad to think because I know there were so many years of my life where like there were, there were so many things I wanted to change about myself or ways I wanted to do things differently, or I wanted to be perceived as cooler. And I was just like, I'm so soft. And I hate that. Like, I don't want people to know I'm soft, you know? And eventually I got to the point where I was just like, I'm such a good daughter, sister, friend, because of how soft I am, you know? And every single relationship teaches you so much about what you do and don't want in a person. And so I used to think like, maybe I regretted like spending time with a person and it didn't work out, but then you don't, you're never going to know what you want if you don't experience what you don't like everything in life has to be contrast. And I think more importantly, I think every relationship teaches you so much more about yourself. Yes. And you know, how, uh, there's, there's this great book that I haven't finished but one of my mentors loves it. And it's his favorite book of all time. It's called Conversations with God. I've heard it's good. I'm going to write that down. And it, it basically talks about how, you know, people think that you love somebody based off of how they make you feel. Oh, I love this person because they're caring. They're sweet. They're beautiful. They make me feel this way. They give me butterflies, blah, 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 blah. Right. That's why I love them. And the book is like, no, that's not, that's not loving. So you love somebody by loving them through the action of loving them. Again, kind of going back to what you said, everything is projection, right? So it's like, if you, if you love somebody, you're going to feel that love both ways. And the more that you invest in somebody else, the more you're going to love them. It's not what can they do for me? I'm going to sit here and, and okay, I'm getting these needs met. I'm getting this, this box checked, right? Okay. Now I can love this person. It's like, no, I'm just going to show up now. Granted, obviously if you're six months in, eight months in, and this person isn't showing up the same way that you're showing up, right. Then maybe it's not fair to you. Cause I've been in yeah. that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Then maybe there's, there's an issue of compatibility, Maybe, um, you know, you have different love languages or you have different expectations of, of mm-hmm. what some of those needs need to be met. But, but regardless, you know, in any new relationship or any relationship, both parties should come to the table with that mindset. One of the things that I, I love that my mom said is, you know, you should never compete in a relationship except, you know, how much you can love the other person. It's mm-hmm. the only thing you should oh, ever I love that. in competition with. Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, it's like, if you have that sort of mindset, if both people have that mindset, then I think you're, you guys are destined, destined to last. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's another podcast I can get into. Well, when that doesn't happen, boundaries need a conversation, yeah. to happen, you know, but, but I think so many people have been hardened and we live in such an instant gratification, me, 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 me culture where we forget that, you know, relationships are about service. It's about yes. 
what can you the do? Most, the most gratifying things in life are about service. Like I slave away memorizing all of these things about how the human body works because there's nothing more purposeful to me than to serve someone when they're at their lowest, which is when you're sick. Like when you're sick, you're so miserable, you know? And for me to get to be the person to like hold their hand or help them feel better, or if I'm God forbid, going to have to be the person to hold their hand while they're passing, that is such an honor and a privilege. And so it's like, there are some days where I'm like, why did I do this to myself? I could be making money like any normal 20 something year old right now. But then I remember like all of the patients that have hugged me and been like, thank you so much. And I'm like, there's, there's nothing better. I think to me than to pursue a career that brings you passion. And that's, that's so much of why, like, I love the conversations I have on this podcast. Cause I think a lot of people are okay with the idea that you have to hate your job and you just do your job because it makes you money. And I'm like, that is something that we've all believed over time, but that doesn't mean we have to keep believing it. It doesn't have to be true. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, no, I I agree. And at the, at the bare minimum, right. Have an outlet or have something. Yes. It doesn't have to be your full career, but you can do it on the side the way you do like writing and mentorship right now on the side. Yeah. And there's a, there's a great, she was on the Lewis Howes podcast. She's a uh, love therapist. Are you talking about Esther Perel? Maybe. I was going to ask you if you knew who Esther Perel was, because she said this one thing once that was so impactful to me. And um, I wanted to share it with you. She basically said that everyone thinks you have to be single in order to grow. But the reality of it is we only know ourselves through our relationships with others. We only know ourselves through our interactions with others, through society, through friendships. And so the real growth occurs in your relationships with others. Like it, it doesn't occur when you're like sitting in your room by yourself. Right. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that conversations with God talks about. Um, Mm -hmm. and yes, I am, I am referring to her and she says this other, she has an accent. She's so badass, right? Yes. Yes. I love her. She's awesome. And she says this other thing where she says people in the 21st century think that think the same thing for your career and your life partner. And they think that it's supposed to be everything mm-hmm. all in one. So and that's not fair to put on another person. Yeah. And so yeah. they think that your career is, and I think obviously it should be purpose-driven, right? There, there should be at least elements of that, but they think your career is supposed to be purpose-driven, make us an enormous amount of money, you know, allow flexibility. It's supposed to hit all of these different you know, boxes where it's like, yeah, you're going to find some that, that hit a couple of boxes and don't do something that you hate. And and yeah, maybe do something that helps or is in service with others. Um, But don't put those kind of unrealistic, unrealistic expectations on your job. And the Mm -hmm. same thing goes for your partner. We think our partner is supposed to be the funniest person that we've ever met. They think, you know, they're supposed to be the the greatest in bed that we've ever had. They think we're supposed to be the best friend. They're supposed to know all of our jokes, know our humor. They're supposed to be the best cook. They're supposed to be our workout partner. They're supposed to be our, you know, they're supposed to hit all of these things. It's like, you can't put that pressure on them. They can't possibly be all in one. Like those are really like one in a you know, billion, like one in a million circumstances where somebody hits all of those things for you. There's, there's give and take, and you're not perfect. 
Mm-hmm. You're, you're definitely not checking off all those boxes for somebody else. So why mm-hmm. do you expect this person to be able to do that? And I, I, I love that, you know, what you said about that. That was, I know exactly what conversation you're talking about. And I've, that's one of the few podcast episodes I've listened to like two or three times, which is why I can like rearticulate what she said so well, because it's, it's so accurate. She also explains how like back in the day, we used to have such better community-based interactions and we don't, we don't have that anymore. We've become so individualistic. And I also have like read a ton of actual like research articles about people who live the longest, they're in blue zones. And these people, so much of it is not even about like, yes, it's about the diet, but so much of it is about the community. Like so much of it is about having really quality, meaningful, long lasting relationships where you invest in the person and they invest in you. And that expands, like it literally lengthens your life. Like that was so crazy to me. And that's when I decided that I was just like, I am, I used to be like, oh, I don't want to invest in people that like, aren't going to show up as much as I am anymore. And then I was like, no, why don't I, I'll I'll invest in people if I love them, like regardless of what they give back, because it's not about what they can do for me. It's about, am I a good friend? And do I go to bed at night knowing that I'm a good person? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I I remember that, that being talked about. And there's, there's several articles about that too. And that, when I heard that it made me reevaluate my priorities as well you know Mm -hmm. because um I currently live in LA all of my family lives in San Diego and I used to I used to take so much pride so much pride in being like well I'm the one who left the nest I'm the one who did his thing and is self-sufficient and is living on his own and you know I'm I'm the the solopreneur the 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 guy who's doing it Mm -hmm. all look at me type of thing. And it made me think, it's like, no, what's, what, what is important at the end of the day? Who's going to be there at the end of the day? Yeah. What are you valuing? And it made me like, honestly, re strategize my long-term goals. So like in, in, you know, six, seven years or five to seven years, I want to move back to San Diego to, to be around family because I'm like, you know, they're like, I don't, I don't see my mom that often. I don't see my dad. I don't get to grow up and get to see like my little brother and my little sister. And when I never had one, what am I doing? Right. You know, and I, I'm, I'm definitely not in that space right now to be able to do that, especially with, you know, some of the the things that I, I career-wise, I still want to accomplish, but Mm -hmm. long-term that's in my head. Like, nope, I I need to go back. I, Mm -hmm. I gotta be with family. And yeah. So I'm in the exact same boat. People ask me all the time. They're like, don't you love New York city? Like, isn't it amazing? And I'm like, yes. And yes. Like I've always wanted to live here. This is my dream, but this is where I need to be right now. This is not where I will be long-term. Like so much of life is not where you are and what you're doing. It's really who you're with. Like, I, I love this city so much because I love my medical school friends and I love the people I've met here. It's not because like you can go to restaurants anywhere in the world. It's really like who you get to sit down to have dinner with, you know? That that little quote right there needs to needs to be the snippet. <laughs> so much of life isn't where you are, it's who you're with. I think yeah. that encapsulates like everything right there. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like who who are you around? Like, you know, I can be at the DMV with my favorite person. And you'll enjoy the whole thing and have an amazing time. And I could be at the most amazing 
fancy dinner with a person who I don't connect with. And it's like, okay, you know, this is nice. And I would have much rather been at the DMV with my favorite. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that right there. I'm so glad. Well, I have two more things for you. So the, the, one of the very last things is what is a resource that you would recommend listeners that you feel like you've gained a lot from? This can be a book, a podcast, a person, a talk, but something that has really impacted your life in a positive way. I have so many. You can list a few. In 2018, I really needed to read the book, The Obstacles of the Way by Ryan Holiday. The Obstacles of the Way? The Obstacle is the Way. Is the Way. Okay. So that is a book about Stoicism. I don't know if you're familiar with Stoicism. Daily Stoic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he, um, he's like one of the biggest, at least modern day, Stoic writers. And The Obstacle is the Way is fantastic. And it basically talks about how everything in your life, every obstacle in your life is an opportunity, everything. And I remember when I read that, that was when I kind of came out of the college environment of, you know, maybe not being in the best circle. And that was when I was first starting the coaching and, you know, just had all of these hurdles to kind of jump over. And you realize that the hurdles is, is what makes it like, this, this is what makes it fun. Oh, this, this tension. Oh, this, this, this didn't work out. Okay. This is an opportunity now. Yeah. And it totally transformed my approach to goals and, um, and challenges, especially. So I would say the obstacle is the way I would say atomic habits by James mm-hmm. Is just fantastic of organizing and just a very kind of simple layman's way of of breaking down why our habits are important. I would say the David Foster Wallace speech, This is Water. Which this is, is water. A, this is water, which okay. is a commencement address. And he basically reflects on how, you know, it's it's so so easy to judge, right? If we are, he, he uses his, his example, and I, I definitely recommend that you listen to it uh, if you haven't had the chance. He's like, you know, it's so easy if we're in traffic, if we're going home from work, and a huge SUV cuts us off to say, F this person, are you kidding me right now? Like, why would they do that? And, and just be so frustrated saying F you to the world, Instead of saying, well, maybe that person was in an awful car accident and mm-hmm. now they were ordered to ride around in a big car, you know, through their physician or through their psycho, you know, psychologist. Maybe they're running doctor. late to the hospital that their loved one is in. Maybe they're running late. That's another thing that he says. Maybe they're running mm-hmm. late to hospital. Maybe they, maybe their wife is pregnant. Mm-hmm we don't know why this person is acting that way. Right. He's like, he's like, is it probable? No. Is it impossible? No, it's not. And then he's like, well, and then he's like, you know, if you arrive at the grocery store and it feels like everybody's in your way, maybe you're the person in the way. Maybe you have, you're holding back a family of four 
that's waiting for their meals because you know this this woman's a single mom and her kids haven't been fed yet but she just got off her second shift that day you don't know what's going on in these people's lives you're yeah. so focused on you and if you sit there living your life so self-centered you're going to be miserable mm-hmm. but if you just challenge yourself in those moments just challenge yourself to recognize that maybe maybe it isn't about me i promise you're going to you're going to be so much better off for it and so it's it's just a really powerful speech again it was a commencement address that was given and um i recommend anybody listening to that speech okay i i love both ends of that notion like i a lot of my thing is like all things with love because like you you never know what someone's going through like you said and so that's why to me like it's so important to be kind because like it could be your last words to someone it could be something that absolutely turns around their day it could be something they really needed to hear you know and also with the other edge of that sword is that people spend so much time thinking about themselves that like no one's thinking about you no one's noticing your mistakes no one's paying as much attention to you as you think they are so like why would you not do the things you want to do or like dance or skip in public like no no one is paying attention to you especially in new york no one's looking at you one of the Um, things that my public speak public speaking teacher said freshman year is that you know it's kind of ease people's anxiety was that everybody's rooting for you Mm -hmm. nobody nobody unless it's like you made enemies with this person which again is like one-off cases um nobody is is sitting there being like i hope this person delivers an awful speech whenever you're you show up in auditory you want this speaker to succeed yeah when you kind of have you remind yourself that i think that also makes it easier That's helpful. And you are your own worst critic. Another thing I wanted to tell you at the very beginning that I forgot is that statistically, the biggest fear that people ever face, the biggest anxiety is public speaking. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so interesting that like you and I aren't really scared of it and we kind of enjoy it just because I guess we were put in situations where we had to get comfortable with it. But you speak obviously so incredibly well. This was such a fantastic conversation. Um, where can everybody find you? Cause I know they're going to want to keep up with you. And if they wanted to, for example, have you as their accountability or lifestyle coach, how would that happen? Yeah. So first and foremost, thank you again for having me on. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I know that we're going to have several more conversations, you know, um, on and offline. So, um, Absolutely. I definitely need book recommendations and podcast recommendations from you. So thank you again. Uh, to my Instagram is Alexander E. Salazar. Mm-hmm. And so if you visit me on Instagram, you can either shoot me a DM or you can email me at alexsalazarcoaching at gmail.com. Um, the first session or discovery call is free. And you can also visit my website, which is uh, salazarcoaching.com. So just www.salazarcoaching.com. And then um, you can book a Calendly link there as well. So email, Instagram, or a Calendly link through my website. And then my TikTok is Alex Esteban Salazar. And that's kind of where you get the full gamut of my emotions, my my wildness, my sappiness, my <laughs> happiness, my dad jokes, all of that. It's a fun place to be. I would highly recommend if you're going to go anywhere to go to the TikTok. 
Again, all of Alex's information is linked in the show notes because I know you're absolutely going to want to keep up with him. He also has a blog where he writes every day and details motivation, accountability, self-love, family, and more. And that website is salazarcoaching.com. And again, if you want to reach out to him, you can find him on Instagram at Alexander E. Salazar. Thank you all so much again for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, we would absolutely love it if you could share it on your story and tag us or share it with someone that you think would benefit from our musings as well. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you when I see you.